Yeah, I suppose just thankful that there's uh, any football at all, right? Like it's it's not <laughs> yeah, that's <ideal>. true. <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> it true. Could very easily be uh, a much more dire Sunday evenings, and as the weather gets worse and whatnot, it's nice mm. to have something just to ignore uh, things on a Sunday evening and just uh, watch a bit of NFL. So hello, welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. Thanksgiving is here and we have some games to be thankful for and some to be less thankful for. <laughs> so, uh, hey, we got Connor here, we've got Sean and we've got Ronan. Hello, guys. Hello. hello. How are we getting on, Daddy Cork? Yeah, not too bad. So as, as I said last week, we, it was my fiancé's birthday this last week, last Friday, so... I made a cake. Well, I, I contributed a large part to the making of a cake. It was kind of a joint effort, but uh, the most elaborate baking exercise I've ever embarked on. Okay, what did you what did you make? It was like this chocolate cake thing. It was uh, kind of just a chocolate cake, and then the frosting icing type thing was also chocolate based. Mm. Um, it was quite nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It came together quite well. Um, the, when you said the, when you say that, when you say you contributed heavily, I was involved in a lot of the mixing. I was involved in the proportioning of ingredients into the into the various kind of receptacles. Um, okay. Sarah did the tough work where there were issues like the icing was difficult to do and stuff. She did all the st- tough stuff, but I did all the the doable kind of less tough stuff. Very good. Very good. Um, it sounds like like you you took on some more responsibility. I was about to say it sounds like whenever like you make a cake with a like a young nephew or niece, but <laughs> you do you did a little bit more than that, I think, from the sound of things. So that's yeah, that's good. definitely. I like maybe what you would get a twelve year old to do as opposed to what you'd get a six year old. Mm, that's good. You're learning. You're learning. Uh, your next step now will be uh, as we possibly re-enter a third lockdown in, in the new year. Uh, you can start on like the banana breads and all that kind of stuff that people were doing during oh, yeah. lockdown. And sourdoughs and all the elaborate stuff. Yeah. 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 Now. Uh, if you want a bit of a laugh, I saw a bit of the the Nigella Lawson's new cookery show, and it has the most middle class line I've ever heard of something about like not quite ready for the uh, for the. Um, commitment of a sourdough starter within their lives <laughs> and i was like oh god please kill me okay we'll move on to some actual stories <laughs> for the nfl uh covid is still around uh, there's player cases in vegas washington rams the eagles san fran cleveland giants colts ravens everyone everyone schedule has been unaffected uh seattle are the only team without a player on the covid 19 list since the season started but it's being kept to minimum numbers of players games have not been moved nfl has now made it that all clubs must have intensive protocols for the rest of the season uh, all virtual meetings or in large spaces mandatory masks at uh practices and so on Masks will be mandatory on the sidelines for players who are not active and not wearing a helmet. So they're pushing it up a little bit. Uh, they've yet to have the big breakdown that we've been fearing, but obviously the kind of the spikes in the country and the spikes in the spread, uh, if not the number of players, is uh, is obviously on their mind. And they're also getting to that back half of the season where it's more difficult to find wiggle room to move things around if something was to happen. So it. 
probably makes sense that they're doing this. Yeah, and uh, you know some notable players have been affected. So Miles Garrett is, is the player affected in Cleveland, Minnesota. Adam Thielen um, in the with the Ravens. Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins are both affected. So there's a lot of you know notable players who are, are important parts of their offense or defense. I think, uh, for example, Eddie uh, Eddie Goldman in uh, in Chicago. So you know these this is having an effect. This will affect the games, but. We've already set the precedent that even if you lose a lot of or a fair number of important players, we're still going to play unless you get to a full-out AI break. So even though you're missing an important player, it's not that. And then, yeah, I think the NFL realizes that, you know, the outside world is becoming less and less welcoming to people who want to stay COVID-free. And thus, they've ramped up their level of uh, intensive protocols across the league. So now, you know, they're going to say they're going to start fining teams who don't get their players to wear masks um, if they're not wearing a helmet or if they're not about to be immediately substituted. Um, so that's a fairly big escalation compared mm. to now because, you know, you know, we haven't seen players wearing masks much on the sidelines. That's just the truth of it. Um, so that it'll be really interesting to see how toughly they choose to enforce that mm. new rule. Um, I think the virtual meetings and stuff like that is pretty much already the status quo. So I don't expect too much there. But uh, yeah, it's getting harder and harder to ignore the reality of like a million cases per week in the US. But uh, they're certainly doing the best that they can with what's currently happening. Yeah, I think it feels like we're on the kind of a, a kind of a knife edge here, the the tipping point into the kind of the outbreaks, the, the disaster scenario on the horizon, the, the rising case numbers in all the teams. Obviously, the NFL with these restrictive protocols clearly um, believes um, that there is there are complications down the line. And obviously, the big thing is maintaining the... Uh, the schedule another week which is can be ticked off which is good but ultimately now i think we're out of bye weeks i think almost every team has used up their bye at this point so any any outbreak any titans level outbreak is going to result in extra weeks having to be added to the season so you can see why these protocols become so important uh, as ronan said the question of the year is enforcement i find it very difficult to imagine particularly this kind of mask mandatory mask for all players on the sideline when they're not active i think that would be very difficult to enforce and practice and the question is how heavily will the nfl be willing to levy things like fines in, in order to make sure that that does happen because it's very if if the players realize very quickly that this is not being enforced then they will just ignore it um and then you have the potential problems um coming down the line no, of course, we had a couple of big injuries this week in the league. Cincinnati quarterback Joe Burrow has a really horrible knee injury to an ACL, MCL, and some structural damage to the knee. Tennessee linebacker Jalen Brown has an elbow fracture and he's gone for the season. Seattle's tight end Greg Olson has a fascia chair, so he's likely gone for the season. Obviously, the big one of this is first overall Joe Burrow, who was really playing quite well of late. Uh, yeah, just the injury to that, that's quite a serious one. It's a 9- to 12-month recovery. It's one where, you know, sometimes players don't come back 100% from them. Uh, so it's not a great setup for them, and it's unfortunate for, 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 for Burrow himself. Yeah, no, I just wanted to say that I'm glad that I locked up Justin Herbert for my uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year because uh, he's uh, <laughs> going to walk away with it now that, that Burrow is off. I mean, obviously, this is, this is a disaster. It. <laughs> it was me on the grassy knoll, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's very bad news for the Bengals, and particularly, I think the worry is not necessarily this season, although the the, the loss of kind of practice and and kind of 
experience that Burrow will lose by losing half of his first season is obviously going to be something that needs to be taken into consideration. It's the long-term impact. Is Does he come back the same player? Does he come back as a lesser player? We've seen we've seen instances of the past of, of kind of high-potential quarterbacks or high-potential players having one serious injury, not just in the NFL, in, in countless sports, this happens where the one injury can be the end um, of a career or the end of, of a very productive career. So, um, yeah, not what you want to, to hear. Um, obviously, the Bengals need to sort out their offensive line if they don't want this to happen uh, again and again and again. Yeah, like, you know, you're thinking Andrew Luck, RG3, David Carr from back in the day, you know, players who, you know, were given insufficient protection and ended up, you know, having truncated careers because of that. Um so we're just all hoping that Joe Burrow hasn't got that. Now, the noises coming out now today are that the structural damage isn't as severe as, as possibly it could have been and that they now believe that he will be available for the start of next season. Like, obviously, there's come back and forth in terms of how much they want to make this sound rosier than it is. But, uh, yeah, we just wish the best for Joe Burrow. He's been very exciting to watch and kind of dragging a, a very bad team to being actually interesting uh, and fun and somewhat relevant. Um, so yeah, we're all hoping and, and praying that he will uh, come back fully fit and ready to to t- get that, you know, Cincinnati sleeper pick of yours, Connor, to uh, fruition. For one year, to, one year, that'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, Tennessee lose their linebacker Jalen Brown, and Seattle lose Greg Olson, uh, which are less of an impact on them, but will be felt. Yeah, like Jalen Brown, he, he's been a bit of a breakout player for Tennessee, but I think that they've lost some players and have managed to make do. And Greg Olson, like, look, he's been a solid-ish enough for Seattle, but they have Will Disley and they have Jacob Hollister, who've both been pretty good tight ends in starting roles for Seattle over the last couple of seasons. So hmm. I don't think they'll miss much of a step there. That's not really a tight end-oriented offense these days. No. Other bits, Kyler Murray injured his shoulder during the game and he's week-to-week. He's expected to keep playing. You could see that throughout the game, particularly in the back half, that in between series, the traders were working on the sideline to try and keep it loose. And uh, Cleveland cornerback Denzel Ward is a calf strain, so he'll be out for two to four weeks, which is uh, probably a, a, a sizable enough hit to them. But, um, yeah, there, there, it was not too bad a week overall for injuries, apart from the very big ones at the top. Yeah, like I think Kyler Murray, as you say, it looked like it affected him. So it'll be interesting to see whether they choose to protect him and, and that have less QB run, designed runs, and see if he can kind of stay safe there. But it definitely did affect them in their game script in week 11. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. And Denzel Ward, like, look, they're they're missing Miles Garrett this week due to COVID. Um, they're now missing Denzel Ward for for maybe up to a month. Um, so that's the defense that isn't really that talented to begin with. So you know that they'll be hoping that their relatively uh, soft schedule can get them through and keep them playoff relevant uh, while they get those two pieces back together. We also had uh, some signing news. So we mentioned last week that DeAndre Baker, the charges were dropped against him. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have signed him to their practice squad and he'd be expected to then be elevated up to playing with the with the main squad after a bit. So it just depends on whether he's immediately game ready or not. Uh, you'll see a couple of times this season these practice squad positions being used because this year with the extended practice squad and the new regulations are able to protect players on them because obviously I think it's a kind of spot where he would be immediately taken onto the starting roster of a different team if they could, uh, which would normally be the case with a practice squad. But yeah, um, I think it's a decent enough pickup, low risk, very high potential uh, because 
the big thing I've been hearing is I think if they wait until week 13 to activate him off that practice squad, he doesn't accrue a season, so they basically get another year of him on his rookie deal. Yeah, I think, you know, it might remind me a bit of Bashad Breland, like you got him on, on the cheap uh, a couple of seasons ago for because mm. he had his own issues with, with his health in that case. But, uh, yeah, if he if he plays up to a decent standard, uh, then, you know, it'll be a pretty good uh, cheap uh, success here for Kansas City. And given the contract you're handing out, that that's a, basically a requirement uh, as they go forward. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, and finally, uh, big news, the Pro Bowl, the greatest game of the calendar year, has been cancelled in its current form but is now going to be played on Madden, which, if anything, makes it more relevant. <laughs> yeah. All right, what are, what are the details? I'm interested in what the details. Who are, who's going to be playing the, the sides? Are they just going to do like a computer simulation type? I'm on tender hooks to find out. I have I'm, no idea. It will have plenty of celebrities, NFL legends, current players, and streamers, is what the press release is. I think they don't oh, actually know God, fully. That sounds like a total clusterfuck. Oh my God. I assume they'll try and get involved the Pro Bowl rosters to some extent as well, but like, I, I'm not sure they know exactly how it's going to work, but they're like, hey, EA, could you like uh, do a Pro Bowl in Madden? They're like, uh, okay, we added that last year after ditching it because that's what Madden does. Uh, uh, we'll we'll put something together. So I, I I doubt they fully know what it's it's going to happen. But uh, look, I think the biggest issue is you know beyond the fact that we're missing the Pro Bowl means that you know there's no Pro Bowl skills challenge options in Madden. So unless they patch those in, it's not going to be the same. Mm. I don't Get know. Get on to EA. Yeah, and yeah, it'll be interesting. As a Pro Bowl, obviously we 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 normally do a four hour uh, Pro Bowl preview special. But uh, I don't know if we'll be able to do that for an EA video game based one. We'll have to see. Might, might uh, have to cut it down to three hours or so. Maybe, maybe. Well, I suppose we could just speculate wildly on how it would have gone uh, <laughs> if it had been run. That might be. Uh, that play might be by the play. One. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll do like a play by play take on the theoretical Pro Bowl in our heads. That will work pretty well. Okay, we'll move on. We'll have a look at the games from last week. Okay, so first up we have Green Bay at Indianapolis, 31 to 34 in overtime. Indianapolis were ahead 24 to uh, ahead 24 to 14 down. Like it was a very confusing game from Green Bay because Rodgers looked to be on complete form initially and was tearing them up, and then they just started to collapse entirely. Rivers had 288 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Taylor was good, went over the 100-yard mark. Their defense looked good, but this is really a big story about Marquez Valdez-Scantling, both setting them up for overtime, like get like doing great things, and then losing them the game with a fumble. Um, it was sloppy and confusing from the Green Bay perspective of like this is a team that constantly will occasionally look like they are championship caliber and then will just struggle against even a mediocre defense it was very very weird and i just came out of it more confused than anything else yeah a, a very good first half from the packers 28 points if they got in the first half and then the second half was just terrible i think we're seeing this this feature that we've talked about a, a bit in past weeks, this soft underbelly that the Packers can be got at, that they can look nervous when games are getting difficult, that they like, they play well when they're comfortable and they're better than the team that they're playing against and everything is in the groove. But as soon as you get the Packers out of their groove, it seems to fall apart and very quickly. And the Colts uh, were able uh, to do that and get back. The question I guess we have to ask now 
um, on the other side is are the Colts for real? This is a seven and three team, although it doesn't feel like one uh, at the moment. Um, the top of the, of the division holding out the Titans for that AFC South spot. Um, it's difficult to see how long that they can keep that up. Um, but I mean, they're answering all the questions they're asking them. Back to back week for the Colts now, big wins um, against against good teams. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they go for the rest of the season. But certainly for the Packers, there are some serious problems that they have to deal with. This team needs to toughen up and be able to grit out games or they're going absolutely nowhere when uh, the playoffs begin. Mm. Yeah, and I think like, you know, I think we kind of saw that both these teams maybe are a bit soft under the belly. This is what I was saying uh, in the in the preview last week, which is like, like you know, when you when you get down to brass tacks with these teams, when they're put into tough situations, do you trust either of them? Like Indianapolis obviously won this game because I suppose someone had to win it, but you know they came back obviously from 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 fourteen points down at the half. They were in the lead. They had the ball and they just had to you know drive out the clock. And instead of like running John and Taylor, who looked better in this game, but still only by four point one per carry, um, they ended up getting like three or four holding calls in a row uh, after having basically five or so in the game already. And that kind of comes back to the fact that the Colts, like when they need to go be hard, when, when we want to say that they have a, a hard shell to go around the rest of it, um, when they need to get down and run the ball, they're just not that good at it. And considering the quality of their offensive line, that is a, a bit of a concern going forward. Um, and like their offense in general, like, Philip Rivers basically has many of the same limitations we've been complaining about Drew Brees for the last few years, except that he has a slightly worse form on how he throws the ball with his sidearm nonsense. But like he, he managed to get through this, this this game with it by spreading the ball around. But a lot of the throws that he made, like the receivers did a lot of work for him. For example, the Michael Pittman touchdown. Mm. So like this cold seem like Darius Leonard is a stud and he makes that defense um, good basically by himself and the defense overall is pretty solid even if they you know the statistics aren't great here like over 350 yards allowed three uh, and four touchdowns but I think overall when I look at this Colts team I just don't see the level of upside where they could beat a Steelers or a Kansas City they just feel like a, a really well put together team but lacking that explosive element that, that makes you truly afraid of them but you know if they get into these kind of tight fights um, then it's a 50-50 call but I don't see them as being a necessarily great closing team when it gets down to it. No, but uh, as you mentioned, it's good to see a few of the young ones like Pittman stepping up for them because they'll need that in the longer term. And uh, Green Bay, yeah, like they just need to find... Again, it, it raises those questions of why do they have, you know, a running back and a quarterback who aren't seeing the field that were their number one and number two picks in the draft when the defense and the wide receivers need work and everything. But anyway, yeah, look, that's for a longer discussion. Uh, next up, Kansas City at the Vegas Raiders in the Death Star, 35-31. to 31. Uh, Mahomes, 348 yards, two touchdowns, interception. Uh, yeah, was just able to ride down the ride down the field in the fourth quarter, uh, about a minute and 15 for that touchdown, uh, before Carr eventually throws a pick to um, it was, it was, uh, Daniel Sorensen again. Uh, but to be fair to him, Carr had a near-perfect game. That interception, I wouldn't count against him. That was like they had whatever, 27 seconds left, he had to start airing it out and he wouldn't have thrown that pass otherwise. I was very impressed by both teams' offences on this team and very unimpressed with both defences. Um, Kelsey Hill, Waller, Aguilar all just went crazy. Uh, yeah, it was really, really, really good and very good quarterback play. But again, like, yeah, just the defences looked all over the shop. Like, just, yeah, I, I, I don't know, like... 
this Oakland team is impressive. They're going to probably be a wild card team, and I think they could be frisky and surprise some people in the playoffs. But I think they need to. Is it Gunther that's still their defensive coordinator? Like I think they need to they need to swap things up there. Yeah, and I think when you go back to that final touchdown, um, you saw that the safety uh, Jonathan Abram was basically selling out to stop uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes from scrambling in a situation where if he scrambled, that's fine um, because it would, you know, the clock would have kept running, they would have had to settle for a field goal uh, and the game, uh, you know, they wouldn't have lost the game in regulation. Um, so that's, that's just a mistake there. Like, I, like I, I get what they're trying to do on the defense. They want to be a, a tough, hard-hitting, old-school defense that gets in your face and makes your life difficult. And you know, they do that to some extent in some of these games, but I think you... You can't do that to the detriment of leaving, you know, Travis Kelsey completely uncovered in the end zone in a two, you know, two minute drive situation. It was just, it was a bold strategy. Cotton. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see how it works out for them. It did not work out for them. But like, look, like I think overall that defense is a bit of an issue. But we've kind of known that. But they do have enough on offense that they can kind of get going. Obviously, Darren Waller was kind of the star here, but Nelson Aguilar has been a nice, you know, a nice kind of deep shot, um, good, feel good story for them um, with with 88 yards and a touchdown on this one. And Josh Jacobs, like he wasn't that effective, but he does grind the ball out and in the red zone, he's he's kind of got his mojo back. But I think yeah, for the Kansas City team. I think you just see the difference that when you have Patrick Mahomes, no matter, unless you get into really bad game script like they had in the first Raiders game, um, he's just nearly impossible to stop. And it's just such a huge, massive advantage that even in this situation where the Raiders probably overall could, you know, should have won this game, um, you know, just didn't because Patrick Mahomes exists and it's way too good at football. Yeah, this was, this was one of the most enjoyable games of the year for me so far. I've, um, it's it's. I mean, I, I I enjoy watching NFL games. Obviously, for some, obviously, I wouldn't be doing a podcast otherwise. But it was just great to just sit back for whatever the the two hours that the that the game pass um, has cut it down to, and just watch two teams play really really good football. At least offensively. I mean, I, I agree. Mm. Both defenses could have done a lot better, but offensively, this was a dream to watch. I think it was also helped by the fact in that is that the, there was no crowd, so you could hear all the calls, especially. Oh, they were great. Um, yeah. Der- Derek Carr's uh, incredibly loud um, um, audibles and stuff. It was it was really interesting to watch. Um, the the Raiders impressed me again as they did it in the game against the Chiefs um, earlier in the season. Derek Carr always seems to be saving his best games for the Chiefs here. He was seemed willing to throw the long balls, um, which has been the criticism against Carr for a long time, is that he's too conservative. I think Gruden is slowly beating that out of him, making him realize he can do. The Raiders, they lose this game because of, of that defensive error, essentially, um, in that in that final drive. They're down to 6-4. and four. The AFC is very tough. Um, conference this year there are teams that are seven and three at the moment which may not make the playoffs but the Raiders have quite an easy schedule for the remainder I think the Colts is the only really difficult team they play so they could easily get out of the season from here 11-5 10 and 6 on the Chiefs side finally we see the offense getting back into its groove it's it's had its moments but hasn't really had a sustained game of it I think in, in a long time but it was nice to see and the talent uh, of, of Patrick Mahomes is always a joy to watch. So this was just a this was a great game. Both teams look very good. The Chiefs look like championship contenders again, and the Raiders definitely, will, if they make the playoffs, will 
ruffle some feathers. I can see them taking taking out um, a big scalp um, in the in the wild card or maybe in the divisional round. Wow, and shout out to Edward Solaire, who was probably the, the Chiefs' bat of the match in this game. He was just putting a lot. And Bell got his first touchdown for Casey, so that was nice to see. Uh, Arizona at Seattle, 21-28. to 28. Uh, I called you at like half four in the morning to chat about this one, Fitz. Uh, it was fun. <laughs> where where is Shane? He he was promising while drunk that he'd be on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, <laughs> he's, he's I think he's still prepping for the very intense uh, Frost Nixon style interview podcast that will be coming up in the off season. Uh, Dunlop sacks uh, Kyler to end the Arizona drive. Russell Wilson was pretty good. Two hundred thirty nine yards, two touchdowns. If some rushing, one hundred and sixty three, um, and the defense looked good. Three sacks, uh, about three hundred yards allowed. Like this is why you picked up Dunlap in that trade because there was no pass rush beforehand. Um, Kyler Murray got hurt as we mentioned in the news section of this game, so his shoulder wasn't quite right. It meant that they didn't put, send him on as many designed runs, which really changed how they played. Uh, de- how they played offense, uh, particularly in the second half of this game. Uh, like it just meant low rushes. It was like five rushes for fifteen yards and that was pretty bad they also had like for 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 a game that has a 21 to 28 a very normal score line it involved a safety to get there which is very unusual um but yeah like it was it was it was a game that look it's a good win for seattle to be honest if it wasn't for the fact that kyler got injured i got a feeling that they would have won this game uh because i think they played them this close without the threat of rushing from Kyler and with his accuracy down a little bit. Um, but like we say, it's an in-division win. It's important. Seattle now have the upper hand uh, over them. I think, yeah, like, good win. Nice job from Dunlap. But I'd like to have seen more from the Seahawks. Yeah, and like, look, when these two teams play, there's always, like, one game that tends to be kind of fun and then one game that tends to be an absolute... Uh, not stinker in this case, but, you know, a lot less fun for the neutral observer. Mm. Like, you know, this was a much more... This kind of felt like a Seattle team from early on in Russell Wilson's career where the defense and the rush attack are doing a lot of the work and he contributes um, using, you know, his great skills but not having to carry the entire team. You know, in this game, he kind of... He was he played within himself. He had around 200, 250 yards all-purpose with about 40 of those on the ground. So I think we saw him being willing to just take what's there rather than trying to force it and have more of those turnovers that have been such a problem over the last month or so. Um, and then on the rush, like Carlos Hyde filled in really well. Um, and that, it, it's great to have him back. And it, they'll probably have Chris Carson back for this week. I think with those two back and Rashad Penny maybe coming back, that'll make a huge difference towards their rushing efficiency. And yeah, the defense is a huge story. Like this is, you know, they kept Arizona 300 yards, even given the Kyler injury. I think that's huge progress. The fact that they can get pressure while rushing four, which means that they don't have to blitz, you know, Bobby Wagner or, or, uh, as much. Um, is really that that makes a huge difference because basically when they've been doing those blitzes they've been kind of obvious and they've not been graded at hiding those and that's led to all these massive gaps that you know offenses have been able to exploit quite easily so i think if they can just have like play their more standard cover tree a bit more and just get pressure despite that that will make a huge difference and carlos dunlap is a it looks like a great uh, contributor already to this defense mm-hmm. so like, like as a seattle fan you know, this is, it wasn't the prettiest win, but the fact that they got the win is massive because for the next four weeks, they get some pretty easy teams. And if they can win those, then they should have a good chance to be coming into week 16 against the Rams with, with a chance to, to wrap up the division if they can win that. Yeah, hu- yeah, a huge win for the Seahawks, I think, is the thing to emphasize here, especially given how vulnerable they had looked in the weeks leading up to this. They obviously had that disastrous game against the Bills and they, they did struggled against teams like the Vikings as well. 
Arizona had some great momentum based off the big win that they had last week. So it was it's a very big deal, especially given how tough the NFC West is this um, season for the Seahawks to get that win. On the Arizona side, obviously now they they they're in a bit of a battle. Um, it looks like they might have to end up in the in the wild card, um, given that the the Rams and Seahawks are probably better than them. Um, the offense looks exciting. It's going to be interesting to see how this injury affects Murray going down the stretch. But I think the problem with the Cardinals, their defense just may not be as good as the offense deserves um, to carry them um, very far once uh, the business end of the season begins. Yeah. Next up, Tennessee at Baltimore. A rematch of the big upset in last year's um, uh, playoffs. And we got a, kind of a repeat of that, 30-24 to Tennessee in overtime. King Henry he puts on the crown, 133 yards and touchdown. Um yeah, Lamar is okay, 230 yards, touchdown, interception. Like, they settled for field goal, particularly on that last drive in the red zone, even though that they like they really shouldn't have. This Tennessee defense was not playing well. The Baltimore defense was very soft up front, and look, they are missing some people. There was injuries and there was COVID. But this is a couple of weeks now where this Baltimore team has been on the slide. They've allowed... Their defense hasn't looked up to scratch. They haven't been able to get the offensive production that they were famous for. And, like... I suppose one of the things we need to remember here is that this is a team that, you know, played off a running quarterback and a very strong run game that's missing quite a lot of the talent off that offensive line that allowed them to do that last year. And maybe it's just us being silly, thinking, you know, well, they've added pieces and maybe this will be as good. Like, maybe it is just that simple that they've lost some of the big men in the trenches because beyond is gone. I think their tackle is injured. Like, like the, this is just what Baltimore are going to be this year, that they can occasionally pull out big games, but they're not consistent and they're not going to be a challenger until they can find that consistency. Yeah, I think that this is the the crisis has begun for the Ravens. This is kind of a couple of bad defeats, in, or maybe you know, three bad defeats in a row. The, their season's kind of fallen off the rails in the, in the past few weeks. As we've been talking about, the AFC has a lot of very good teams this year, so it's going to be a struggle for them even to get into a 17 playoff. Their problems is that, well, the offense, there's been talk about them just being too predictable, talk of them being figured out by a number of teams. I think the big problem they have is that they just don't have enough of a pass game to balance things out, um, so they they don't know how to chase games necessarily. They're very good at playing from ahead, where they can rely on the run uh, and Jackson can do his stuff. And um, but it's not an offense that is built to, to pile up the points uh, as they're chasing at the game. Um, the running back situation I think is beginning to maybe coalesce a little bit into Dobbins being uh, the long term option, uh, and uh, they do have some wide receiver options opening up. Des Bryant, um, a rare Des Bryant sighting, um, mm. in this game. So there's, there's a lot of potential in that Ravens team, and, and you really they really ought to be better than they are, but they're just not producing. They've been grinding it out against poor teams and, and being beaten by the te- by the better teams, um, and I think that, that is a trend that's going to continue. For the Titans back in the groove, they, after the big loss last week, they really needed to, to get this a bounce back, especially since they have the Colts again um, next week. Um, Henry was kept quiet until the fourth quarter, but then he kind of blew things open not just in terms of his running, but the fact that his, his, the threat of Henry affects defenses in such a way that the passing lanes and, and various passing lanes um, open up. The Titans probably aren't as good as, as, as their record would suggest. Mm-hmm. I think their defense in particular has some issues with stopping third down plays. So I don't think they're going to they're gonna threaten to go too far uh, in the AFC playoffs, um, but they're certainly still alive. And they certainly are 
they have the potential to beat out the Colts to win the AFC South, um, but uh, equally they may not, and, and they may end up uh, in the wild card. So two teams who four weeks ago looked like they could be at the top of the AFC um, seedings now looking like they're going to be fighting for the five, six, and seven seeds, and in Baltimore's case, struggling just to get into the playoffs. Yeah, and like Tennessee are a team that wants to play like Baltimore, or at least Baltimore from last year, where they get ahead and then they use Henry to grind you out. But I do think they, unlike Baltimore, have that attacking uh, in a pass attack to balance things out. Like Corey Davis has come on really well this year. And AJ Brown, while he's not the most consistent, there's been a few drop passes that he'd like back over the last few weeks. He has these big plays that destroy offenses. Like, uh, the, the, you know, you've had the old spice ads where Derek Henry's carrying players. There's been multiple plays with AJ Brown over the last few weeks where he's been carrying defenders into the end zone uh, in this game he, he was getting uh, pushed into the end zone by one of his uh, by his running back um so like look they they have that element i think the titans can't be dismissed but yeah they just they lack a lot of consistency particularly on, on defense where their third down defense in this game was pretty pretty terrible to be honest um but they do have the upside that they can stay competitive and if they're in a close game like they were here in the fourth quarter king henry is just a massive weapon to have he is so demoralizing what he does to teams and that's just the major advantage when you when you're in those situations but they need to keep in those situations to be uh, you know have a chance uh, and not end up like where they were against kansas city last year in the playoffs where where you kind of see the, the weaknesses of the team when they're way too behind mm. Uh, next up, Rams at Tampa Bay, 27-24. Uh, Brady looks shaky, 216 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions. I think he's now on the longest streak of missed deep balls since 2017 or something. Uh, he throws a deep pick late in the final drive to give defense. The pass just dominated them all day from the Rams. Uh, neither run game really got going, like sub-50 yards. Goff was Jared Goff, that kind of prime meridian slightly above kind of thing 370 yards three touchdowns but two interceptions um i don't rate the rams team fantastically high but this is a very good win obviously against a difficult team i'm just wondering again because this has come up a few times now like is this actually the tampa bay are not that strong that like this is mistakes that they've made you have all of these weapons out there and you generate 200 yards of offense like you're about 250 including your run game and you have your mike evans is and you have like you have everything that you could possibly want uh and then again we see that this is a lot of deep passes that haven't been going well for brady and this is a question we ask going into the start of the season and look we 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 stopped looking at after the first week or two because they threw some decent deep balls in. But like Tom Brady is an aging quarterback whose deep ball wasn't that great beforehand, and Bruce Arians' offense is a deep ball offense. Like it's to throw it up, it's to go to your Mike Evanses who he won't throw into coverage on. Um, like maybe this is really a collapsing inwards of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at this point because this is not a team and not a performance that makes you think, oh yeah, I'm scared of seeing them in January. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are flashes from this Bucks team. We've seen them play very well at times. But you're right, they, they're just not consistent. And particularly Brady, I mean, I've talked a little bit of, in past weeks about how his decline, the, the noticeable decline that he's been set in on. He has flashes. I mean, last week against the Panthers, he had flashes of some really clever throws and, and some good reads. Um, but equally, he just has these days when he just seems to be a very average quarterback particularly the final interception the throw was incredibly loose i don't know what he was doing in that final throw 
Uh, and the problem with with this is that the the books, I mean, the books defense is very interesting. They're they're very strong run defense, um, which means that if you want to beat them, you have to go through the air. But the problem is the quarterbacks that are beating them through passing aren't. We're not. They're not being beaten by by the kind of Rogers and, and Mahomes. They're being beaten by by quarterbacks like Nick Foles or uh, in this case Jared Goff. People who are have serious deficiencies but can still put up numbers and um, when they have to. So it's weird that there's a lot of talent in this books team, but they haven't really put it all together. And there are weeks when it looks like it is coming together, but but there are also weeks like this where they just look like a collection um, of individuals. And I can definitely see them unless they can really turn this around quickly. They, they're going to burn out pretty quickly against the first good team that plays them um, in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, there is this this team, individual, this coalition thing that is not working um, for the Buccaneers. For the Rams, we maybe don't really know how good they are, but they're getting the wins and they're competing in their division. And, and given that the Seahawks have some issues of their own, the Rams could sneak this, um, this division out if they keep getting these uh, important wins. Um, but I, I don't know if you want to be throwing your, your life um, or, or putting it on the shoulders of Jared Goff uh, to win you a Super Bowl because we've seen that he's just not capable of it. Yeah, I think both these teams, you don't really know where they are. They both have, you know, seven wins, but uh, very up and down week to week. And I think the one thing to say is like Sean McVay, he did really, like he, he diagnosed how good that Tampa Bay defense was and he did go to the air and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods both had a over 100 yards. That's not what we've seen from them this year. They've been a run first offense. Um, I've, I've talked about it being like Baltimore 2019-like. I think the fact that they reverted to their old, like I suppose older game plan and still made it successful is pretty, uh, is pretty reassuring. Um, but what's less reassuring is that Goff in those tight situations through a couple of bad picks, uh, particularly the one to JPP and that on the final drive um, when they were in a third and long situation to close the game out, they gave it to the running back. They didn't trust to give Goff a chance to, to close the game out. And I think that's just an indication of, you know, in the really tough situations where it's an obvious passing down, I don't think they trust Goff. And I think that's going to be a, a major issue for them once they get into the tough games at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, Miami at Denver, 13-20. to 20. Denver got a bit of a surprise win here. Uh, Tua just kind of implodes on himself. 83 yards and a touchdown and is benched later on in the game for Fitzmagic, who comes in 170 yards and an interception. But definitely looks like he's moving the ball a lot better, even though the you know interception happened at that point. Um, yeah, like Denver's offense was bleh through the air. Like Locke was 270 yards in the interception, so it was okay. But the run game was just over five and a half yards per carry, nearly 200 yards on the ground. Their defense got six sacks and an interception. Like, you know, it was almost like when you think it's Miami team, Tua hadn't been phenomenal, but had been good because everything else around was working well. Denver came in and knew that if they disrupted that, if they got their six sacks, if their run game could keep them off the field and just not make mistakes, then they'd be able to win this. Because it literally this is a Denver team that didn't look like it would be scoring much more than 20 points, but it was able to keep Miami at 13. Um, we'll see longer term what's going to happen here, Ronan, but like... Uh, like two is obviously not going to be benched long term here. They know that it's going to be a swap over and back thing, but uh, this was a very worrying performance. Yeah, like I think you know when you when you're looking at this, you're kind of going, okay, two young quarterbacks, a battle of them. But in reality, that the results of this game came down to their respective running games and respective defenses. Like this is a situation where Tua comes in, 
he he hasn't really had an amazing performance uh, he hasn't topped 300 yards yet for example and i think in this game you really saw his limitations so yes he does have a really nice fastball when his first read is there he's very effective at getting out to him but he's just not diagnosing the blitzes he's not getting through his reads he just doesn't look like a, a quarterback who, who's doing all the things that are required to succeed at the nfl level against the good defense and obviously in vic fangio um the denver broncos have a good defensive scheme and um, that's often let down by the fact that they have so little offensive output so you know you're you're leaning on your run game which got stuffed and denver were very much keying in on that and challenging to uh, to beat them and he wasn't able to do it and i think the second that you saw ryan fitzpatrick come in there yes he had the pick at the end but that's because he was trying to fit into a into a tight window he was willing to take risks he was pushing the, the defensive secondary into having to make decisions and Tua was just leaving wasn't making the defense think that much and on the defense like on the denver side like they ran the ball well with gordon and Lindsay having about 80 yards um but like drew lock look he has flashes he shows potential but you just don't see enough there to go this is the guy that you should definitely build your you know entire team around for the next five years uh, and it's a bit of a concern there but i think they're they're an overall they've been solid enough at times this year and they get a very important win and yeah for the dolphins like you know in a, as we've mentioned a very tough afc playoff picture this could be a very important loss uh, when it gets down to brass tacks at the end of uh, december no of course dallas at minnesota 31 to 28 uh this was kind of take almost like the old school formula for how to win a game with the cowboys the run game goes well zeke's over 100 pollard 16 a touchdown their quarterback performs decently dalton had 200 yards three touchdowns and an interception a lot of play action and basically dallas play the game that minnesota have won a lot of games with um minnesota were like Decent from Cousins, 300 yards, three touchdowns, but he did have a forced fumble. Uh, the Cook had a good game, 115 yards and a touchdown. And Thielen went over 100 and had two touchdowns. But really, it was just, you know, as always happens with the Minnesota Vikings when they lose these types of games, they come back into it later on in the game and then they fail at the last hurdle. They can't manage to get that last drive done because uh, they did have a chance on the final drive, but it just wasn't going to happen for them. Dallas's defense has stepped up a little bit again looks decent enough and it does make you think oh yes in a division that is currently tied they do still have a chance here and um, because this is probably the formula they need to be using to uh to be able to get there because like we said probably six wins will get you out of that uh out of that division but yeah like decent win for dallas um almost el Clasico for minnesota at this point to just make a balls of a game like this um yeah, like, Sean, this is one that, you know, we picked Minnesota because he didn't want Dallas to win any more games out of division as a joke, but we equally probably weren't expecting Dallas to be able to come out and put up 31 points. Yeah, I mean, it's a very strange world we live in where the, the four and six Vikings are probably dead from in terms of playoffs, whereas the three and seven Cowboys are not only very much alive, but are probably now the favorite um, to win their uh, division if they can keep this up. What we saw, I think, in this game was the Dallas offense finally getting going, finally overcoming uh, the Prescott injury and the various different quarterbacks they've had rotated in there um, to actually have a solid performance. And what we thought about Andy Dalton, that he was, he tends to play to the level of the talent around him, and this Dallas team does have a lot of talent around him, so therefore he should play well, is finally coming true, that this team is clicking now on offense in a way that they, they haven't done 
um, since since Dak's injury. And if they can keep this up, and they do have the talent to keep this up, and they probably only need to win three or four games uh, uh, more at a stretch um, to win this division, I think the Cowboys, based on this performance, can be uh, made the favorites um, once again to win the NFC East. Also worth noting uh, just a very beautiful uh, touchdown catch um, by C.D. Lamb uh, as well. Mm. So, so very pretty all around. For the Vikings, the Vikings are the Vikings. Look, they're, 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 their season is, is um, mimicking the, the general way they play games, uh, crashing out early, fighting back, but ultimately not having enough um, in the end to mean much. They're probably going to finish 6 and 10 or 7 and 9. They're not very exciting. It is weirdly that the, the Cowboys who should be coming out of this game being very positive about about the future. And, I mean, if they win this division, they will have a home playoff game. So who knows how far this team could go if they get into <laughs> a bit of momentum, which is a very scary thing um, to say about an NFC East team. No, of course. And we are, I think our question this week is going to be about an NFC East team. Uh, but I just wanted to bring up, this is a phenomenal uh, tweet I read earlier. It said, um, this is the NFC East in a nutshell. If Washington wins on Thursday, they're in first place. Then, if the Giants win on Sunday, they take over first place. And then, if the Eagles win on Monday, they take over first place. So, like, that is how close and how broken this little division is. So, we're now going to move on to the slightly lower down our our, our, our stock game. So, uh, Fitz, fully at Cleveland, 70-22. to 22. Let me know what happened. It was an important win for Cleveland, but this game is not worth going back to your game pass for. Look, Carson Wentz is in a tailspin right now. 200 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Just seems to make all the wrong decisions until he's against prevent defences at the end of games. And, like, look, this was another game where, in Cleveland, the weather was absolutely shocking. And Cleveland reverted to, hey, Bradley Chubb, you're pretty... Sorry, uh, Chubb, Nick Chubb, you're pretty good at this game of football. Gets over 100 yards, grinds out the win. Uh, for them you know Baker was okay and the defense was actually okay without Gareth they had five sacks three turnovers that's a pretty solid return uh, Mm -hmm. given the worries that they had so I think for Cleveland they showed a bit here that they can get it done despite some uh, uh, you know despite some issues here and in these tough weather games when they have chubbed they're definitely uh, much more of a factor than they were in that last state of the Vegas when they were lacking him a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, next up, Jets at the Chargers, twenty-eight to thirty-four. The Chargers tried to Chargers this game as well. They were up twenty-four to six, and they just let the they let the Jets back into it of all fucking teams. Uh, Herbert, three sixty-six and three touchdowns. Just kept passing it to Keenan. I think he had sixteen catches, one hundred and forty-five yards, and a touchdown. Uh, they didn't do much on the ground. The defense didn't do much. Joe Flacco remarkably looked all right in this game outside of a pick six he threw, 200 yards and two touchdowns. Um, but yeah, it's just, the Jets just aren't a football team. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, the Chargers win, but nearly lose, like let a non-football team all the way back into it. So well done on getting your win. Um, you're still going to need to change the entire mindset of that football team if you want to be successful Sean New England took on Houston and uh, 20 to 27 they were just not able to do it yeah and I think just not able to do it sums it up that they're this was one of the first games I mean the, the ways the Pats have been losing this this season have, have varied from late collapses to being blown out but this was one of the, maybe the first game they just looked just not good enough to beat a pretty mediocre team um, Cam had a, had a pretty decent game. He got some passing going, which he hasn't been able to do for a while. Got almost 400 yards of passing and a touchdown. Bird had a good game, um, almost over 100 yards um, receiving. 
Um, but ultimately, the, the Patriots, the deficiencies and the shortcomings of the team become very obvious. The Pats are getting into a bit of a rhythm here. They tend to start games well and they tend to end games well. There tends to be a middle stretch, the second and third quarters, when the whole thing um, is a mess. And here again, they started, they got up early to a touchdown. But by the time they got around to the fourth quarter and getting their game back together, they were already uh, back down um, by, uh, I think, 10 points um, at one stage. So Pats, four and six, and their season is over. Houston, not much to talk about here. The same old story over and over again. Uh, Deshaun Watson is carrying his team on his own. He's now got them three wins. Um, this, incidentally, is the first time the Texans have won this season in a game that did not feature the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars. Um, so they're <laughs> moving up in the world. The, the offense has some potential when Watson kind of goes off script and does what he wants, playing by instinct, tends to be where the strengths of this team are. Um, but there's not really much to talk about. Otherwise, both of these teams um, are going to finish with losing records uh, and deservedly so. Fair enough. Atlanta at New Orleans, 9-24. to Taysom Hill came in and surprised us by actually playing a game of football. Yeah, but like the real story here is that the New Orleans defense absolutely mm. annihilated Matt Ryan. Eight sacks, two interceptions, less than 300 yards allowed, including zero points in the second half. It was not very pretty for the Atlanta fans. Uh, oy vey, like, but yeah, like, look, the, the, that, that's the story of the game. Uh, meanwhile, Taysom Hill is there and was okay. Uh, around nearly 300 yards, two touchdowns. It paid off later in the game. He was pretty bad in the first half and Michael Thomas got involved. He had over 100 yards. So I think with Taysom Hill, you see that running upside. It does have, uh, uh, absolutely add a, extra attention to, to it. And Taysom Hill looks pretty good on the short to intermediate routes. Maybe not as good as Drew Brees, but more than solid enough. But you did see on the, the deeper routes a few wobblers that would uh, make you question how sustainable this might be against a defense um, that's a bit better than Atlanta. But uh, Atlanta didn't have any fight in them and they, they got a big smack down here from the Saints. No, of course. Uh, Cincinnati, Washington, 9-20. to Look, uh, Washington are back in the NFC East hunt. But, uh, yeah, like it's because Joe Burrow got injured. They scored no points after he was injured. Uh, Smith, 166 yards and a touchdown. So, like, he's, his numbers were way down in this, That even though this is their first win. The run game went for it. Like, Gibson was nearly 100. They had over 160 on the ground. Defense did an okay job, four sacks and a forced fumble. But this was all just Cincinnati without Burrow is really not much going. And Washington were able to, to gut it out. So, not an overly impressive win, but does put them, as we say, tied for the division or there, thereabouts. So, uh Keep some live for now. Pittsburgh at Jacksonville. Man, this is one-sided, 27-3. to three. Yeah, for, for about 20 minutes, the upset was on. The, the Jags were up by a field goal, and, and the, the Steelers' offense wasn't working, and there was a part of me that was being like, could I actually have just made the most amazing prediction in the history of NFL <laughs> predictions? Um, but then the Steelers woke up and, and scored with relative uh, ease. Ben had uh, two touchdowns. Um, Two, over 250 yards. Um, the receivers had, had good games. Um, Claypool caught, I think, is his 10th touchdown of the season uh, in 10 games. It was pretty good. Um, so the Steelers, they, they did it. They, they were looked comfortable enough, and in the end, they were running away with this. The Jags, well, I mean, Luton Sanity is well and truly dead at this point. Four interceptions um, for um, our man Jake. Um, just absolutely awful. Um, the defense, the Jacksonville defense is getting a little bit better, but it's probably too late for them in, in, in the season to turn that around. The real question for the Jags, well, two questions the Jags have uh, going forward. The first one is, 
is Minshew Mania back on, on the agenda? Apparently there's talk that he might be back uh, in the next few weeks, which would be not before time. And secondly, can they find a way to get the Jets to win a game or two so that they, they can get to the top uh, of the draft and win the, the Trevor Lawrence uh, sweepstakes? Because um, Jake Luton is very much not the answer, and I suspect Gardner Minshew is not the answer for the Jags at QB either. No. And finally, Detroit at Carolina. Uh, the XFL has made it to the NFL. PJ Walker leads them to a 20 to nothing win here, Fitz. Yeah, a complete nothing burger of a game between two teams that aren't relevant at all. Like, Walker was fine, around 250 yards, the TD, but he had two really head-scratching interceptions in the red zone, um, so I don't think they'll be pulling Teddy anytime soon if he can play. Uh, with DJ Moore having a nice game, but, like, Stafford was hurt, DeAndre Swift is out for this game with a concussion, and they were just pathetic, really, uh, in every aspect of the game. Like, when, when you get to interceptions in the red zone, you expect to do something uh, in the game, but uh, this offense was just absolutely moribund. It's, yeah, just yeah. embarrassing overall. Um, Detroit... Boo, go away. <laughs> okay, and I suppose with that, we'll swing over to our questions from the listeners. Okay, so our first question came in last week. We mentioned it, but we said we'd try and get to it this week. Uh, the NFC East is basically a dumpster fire. Could we combine the teams into one super team that will be able to compete for a Super Bowl? Um <laughs> no. like it could compete for a playoff place yeah maybe, it, could, it could probably be a playoff place uh, particularly if it gets to play in the NFC East uh, but yeah it's not great like quarterback okay so we'll, we'll go back position position quarterback like do we want like is it is it Danny Dimes I think yeah, oh, yeah without Prescott it's yeah without Prescott it's a very tough pick um, Dimes is the best upside I suppose but uh, I don't know, maybe the, sol- the solidness of, of an Alex Smith or an Andy Dalton is just exactly what an NFC East super team needs. Someone to just pick the, the numbers over uh, and lead them to those seven wins they need to, to top the division. Yeah, because like, the thing is, like they, they, they're not good at quarterback. They've got a decent running back rotation if you go like Zeke, Gibson, Sanders and Gallman. Like I would probably take Zeke and Gibson as my starting two, but... You know, like that's. I like that's, Sanders. Sanders is is got some explosive moments as well. I probably have him in, in a couple of rotations. Yeah, like I think it's a like that that that's a stronger place. And like I do like their wide receivers: Scary Terry, Amari um, Cooper, Ceedee Lamb. Like that's a that that that's a good trio. But again, who we're throwing to, we're probably going to need like Danny Dives and that kind of stuff. It's probably going to be more tight end fruits, and we don't have a lot like Engram. Uh, like Goddard, Ertz has been shite this year. Logan Thomas, like it's not, it's not, it's not a lot of excitement at that position. Yeah, this is a very much uh, grinded out type team. Not going to be the prettiest on the eye, but they, even with the injuries that have happened, for example, in Dallas, the offensive line shouldn't be too bad. Mm. Like Lane Johnson and Morgan Moses are both right tackles, but. We will make do. Like I don't really want to get thirty-eight-year-old Jason Peters back in there. Uh, and Andrew Thomas, the first-round pick for the Giants, has been pretty terrible. So we'll go with the two right tackles, and the interior should be fine. Brandon Schreff, yeah. Zach Martin, Jason Kelsey, you know, people like Zeichler as your backups. So I think that's a yeah, it's a straight middle with Zeke. Run up the middle with Zeke, be the old-school type of uh, Cowboys type team, and uh, maybe you can get some results there. Yeah, like. There's some youth on the defense for them. Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Uh, like, they're young? 
<laughs> Demarcus Lawrence has actually had a pretty good game this week. If he's going yeah. back into form, then him and Chase Young, it's a pretty tasty edge combination. And you add in Fletcher Cox in the interior, maybe someone like John Allen or Leonard Williams. Uh, I think the, the line should be fine, basically. Yeah. They've, got, they've got one good linebacker, uh, Van Der Esch. Uh, I don't... Yeah, they, there's no one else have, there. I, I think they have to go with the whole Dallas linebacker core, Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, Alvin <laughs> Smith, because you know, otherwise you're... <laughs> You're bringing in Blake Martinez, and I'm just yeah, not like, willing to take that step. Uh, as I said, I'll always, I'll always live and die by the the explanation I heard of Blake Martinez a couple of years ago. Is he is a man who will make every single tackle. He will just make it ten yards later than he should have made it. Yeah, John Bostic, uh, Alex Singleton. Yeah, yeah, we'll, not we'll great. Stick with the, the the Dallas people in that one. Yeah, defensive backs, uh, Peppers, Ryan. Darius Don't. Slay, James Brown, uh, uh, Kendall Fuller, I suppose, he's a slot guy. Um, again, not 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 a strength really for them. Yeah, I mean it's, I I mean it's just there are a few names that are interesting. I mean the the problem. I mean I guess yeah. The the, the problem is I mean this is what happens when you start to look at a super team. The problem the NFC, NFC East has as a total is that they just don't have any players. Like there's just no talent at all. And this is yeah, very it's... much a league where individual talent can, can step up and do great things. It's but, not even like they have say, say someone like a JJ Watt or someone else who's, who's playing for a bad team. There isn't even that in the NFC. East. There isn't that kind of standout defensive player. Who's like, you would be good if you were playing in a good team. Yeah. Um, it's just a whole lot of man. Cause um, I think like, like, cause like, cause like this, this team, this team doesn't like, this isn't going to beat, uh, a saints or a few of those kind of ones. Like it's probably not going to be the Seahawks and stuff. Like it's going to struggle against a load of those types of teams. Like I, yeah, I don't really see it at all, which no. is weird. Yeah. You'd think between four teams, like, because this is what nearly six hundred million dollars being spent across these rosters. Yeah, I think the fact, <laughs> like the, the 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 quarterback is the big issue. They don't have a quarterback between them that you trust because Dak Prescott isn't isn't eligible because he's injured right now. right now. So you're kind of going, look, the rest of this team could be pretty solid. Like you know, like in the secondary, like James Bradbury's having a pro bowl type season darius slay is obviously an all pro in previous years and kendall fuller is a great um slot guy yeah slot guy so i think there that there's there's talent in this team but obviously for obvious reasons because they're all losing it's all been underperforming relatively speaking so you know previous years we were like really excited for zeke but he hasn't been quite the same player um like van der esch and jalen smith previous years they've been great not so much this year um but at least they have tress way who is one of the best punters in the in the in the in the nfl so if you have the most important position sorted with punter, then you always have a shot, right? And they've got Greg Deleg there some, as well. So yeah, good kickers. Yeah, Zerline. Yeah, yeah. No, I suppose, yeah, they should. I suppose that's that's probably well, reflective of the division. That like, well, if anyone's going to need punters and kickers, <laughs> so this is a team that runs the ball and tries to kick a lot of field goals and and punts for for field position and has a pretty okay defense, but is not going to be anything special and will probably finish. I mean, this is the thing. The the this team collectively almost feels like an eight and eight, nine and seven team at yeah. best. Like, yep. Who who head coaches them? Uh, oh, well, uh, I probably have the wrong. I guess Rivera. McCarthy is. I su- yeah, uh, McCarthy. McCarthy. <laughs> I uh, I don't. know. water watermelon destroying ways apparently. Oh yeah, apparently he hypes up his team now by destroying watermelons before games. Yeah, he's yeah, a weird, no, weird yeah, dude. Ron Rivera, weird dude. Yeah, Rivera, I think maybe. Yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know. It's uh, it's uh, yeah. This is uh, okay. Unfortunately, the answer is no. We can't really make a very competitive NFE <laughs> super, super team. Not a super team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our other question this week came in from Alan. Said, uh, "With Thanksgiving, what are we thankful for?" Well, obviously, not supporting an NFC East team is is a big one. Uh, I suppose my one's obviously going to be uh, our, our our Lord and Savior, Saint Patrick Mahomes. Uh, always <laughs> thankful to have him on our team. Um, I, I'm thankful for watching the NFL in an era of exciting offenses and, and some really, really high-quality quarterback play at the moment. I think we're in a golden era um, for just talented quarterbacks and exciting offenses and high-scoring games. Just watching that, that Raiders-Chiefs game, it was like, man, I'm really, really happy with my life choices to, to be an <laughs> NFL fan when you're watching a game like this. So I'm, I'm thankful that we're not living uh, at, in the kind of... Uh, a run first defense first era which has its own charms i suppose but ultimately it's not something that really kind of excites um, the bones um so certainly in, in an era when the pats are terrible at least i have good other good teams um to watch instead no of course outfits yeah i was just thankful that there's uh, any football at all right like it's it's not <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> It's pretty true. It could very easily be a much more dire Sunday evenings, and as the weather gets worse and whatnot, it's nice mm. to have something just to ignore uh, things on a Sunday evening and just uh, watch a bit of NFL. No, of course. And I suppose with that, we'll swing over and we'll have a look at upcoming Sunday's NFL games. Okay, so uh, we're going to start uh, Houston at Detroit. We've all gone for Houston across the board. I was hemming and hawing on this one, to be honest, Ronan, but yeah, like Detroit managed to score zero points last week. So Yeah, and look, Matt Stafford is hurt. DeAndre Swift is still in concussion protocol. He might be available for this, but like this is opening up the uh, Thanksgiving slate of games, and it's not a very appealing uh, situation. And look, Houston, they have Deshaun Watson. He plays really well. Detroit's defense isn't good, so... We'll give it to Deshaun Watson, I mean the Texans, to, to, to eke it out in this game. Yeah, 100%. Uh, next up, uh, we were just talking about their teams. Uh, Washington at Dallas. Uh, I've gone for Dallas. Fitz has gone for Dallas. Sean has gone for Washington. I was a last-minute swap there because I was trying to think, but I think, yeah, Dallas on this one. Um, look, yeah, no, I, it's an all right game. Yeah, Ish. no, I just want to... <laughs> The to me it's a sentimental thing. This is apparently the the Dal- the Cowboys Thanksgiving game is the most watched um, regular season game usually every year. So what I want is is the the Alex Smith to to have a four hundred yard five touchdown game on national television to just seal that comeback player of the year and and to have and let him have a full crowd there so he can get the standing ovation at the end because he deserves it. Um, at least then the NFCs can be good for something. Yeah, that kind of makes me want to swap them back again. <laughs> uh, the, the problem is, look, Dallas played decently last week, and uh, Washington are, are fine, um, but I'm just not sure. Uh, to be honest, this is a coin flip game. Uh, yeah. Might actually be more entertaining than we would have expected uh, coming into it a couple of weeks ago, but yeah. Uh, it should go pretty fast, because I think both these teams are looking to lean on their run at the moment and have been pretty good at it, so... I don't expect this to be an explosive game necessarily, but it could be intriguing at the end of the day. No, of course. Next up is Sean's pick of the week, Baltimore at Pittsburgh. We've gone for Pittsburgh across the board, so we're not expecting Baltimore to bounce back. No, I mean, it's it's a, it's a four-game difference now. This is a 10-0 team playing a 6-4 and four Ravens. The Ravens are in a pretty 
big downward um, trajectory, and I would expect them, given what happened in the reverse fixture a few uh, weeks ago, where the the Steelers kind of found the answers with the Ravens couldn't find, and the Ravens still haven't been able to find them in the subsequent weeks, I would think uh, the Steelers should be comfortable uh, enough here. Although these the thing about these divisional games, especially these kind of two good divisional teams, they'll know each other very well. There will be some surprises. It's going to be Thanksgiving, kind of prime time. Lamar might break out a big game. Um, but failing that, um, I think the Steelers should should win this and probably comfortable enough uh, in the end. No, of course. Uh, it should, be, should be, make for a good one, though. Uh, Chargers at Buffalo. We've gone for Buffalo across the board. Like, look... The Chargers nearly lost a game to the Jets. I don't think there's done more to be said here. Uh, Buffalo are coming off a bye. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bills are rested. They're motivated. They have a chance to kind of get a real stranglehold on their division. The Chargers, even when they play well, end up losing games and have only managed to, to not lose last week because they were basically playing at the Jets. Um, so I think I think the Bills should should be comfortable. Although it'll be exciting again, it's it's one another one of these two exciting young quarterback games, which are always fun mm. to watch. Yeah, yeah. Now I'd also say as well as those that the Chargers are having to travel like pretty much as far as they possibly could, uh, uh, in the wrong direction, as we said for 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 for, for teams playing particularly in the earlier slots. So, yeah, that'll probably go against them as well. But I wouldn't put it past the Chargers being able to, to, to pull a surprise game. Like, what's it? Like, it's like Keenan Allen had 16 receptions last week. That's ridiculous. Uh, Cleveland and Jacksonville have gone for ja- Cleveland across the board. Jacksonville across the board. My fucking hole. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, Jacksonville aren't a football team anymore. Uh, Cleveland are. They need to get right. Jacksonville are just a get-right game for everyone. Cleveland, while they won last week, need to get back into the swing of things. Their passing game needs to get going because they need to figure out what they're doing without OBJ in there. This is a perfect spot to do that. So, yeah, uh, Cleveland across the board. Next up is Ronan's pick of the week, uh, Tennessee at the Indianapolis Colts. Me and Sean have gone for Tennessee. You've gone for Indianapolis. Yeah, I think a genuine coin flip game. I think we saw these two teams play recently and Indianapolis managed to edge that out and as I as we said during that game when we were talking about it um, it is a is kind of a, a fight of upside versus consistency like Tennessee have just been incredibly up and down all season like when they get uh, Henry going they're almost unstoppable in the fourth quarter um, but too often this year their third down defense has been atrocious they've let teams get ahead of them and when that happens they go away from Henry and they're just not as competitive so I think for Indianapolis they want the game script to go similar where they at some point get a big lead take Henry out of the equation and I think you know the Tennessee passing offense is good um, but it's certainly a whole lot better when they can rely on play action and get AJ Brown one-on-ones or Corey Davis one-on-one or Johnny Smith so look I think Indianapolis the main thing I think is just their defense is that bit better they can keep this a close enough game and then you know maybe get a big play from Michael Pittman uh, or T.Y. Hilton uh, and maybe if they and then I think the big question for them is if they do get ahead, can they establish the run game either with either Drew Hines or Wilkins or Jonathan Taylor and and show to me that maybe they're starting to build up that run game. I think the fact that they got some decent rush, even given the last drive where they had all the penalties, 
um, is a good sign for them. I, I want to see if they can build on that. Um, so this is a coin flip game. I got for Indianapolis, but uh, yeah, either either of these could win this and take over control of the AFC South. No, of course. Uh, next up, we have Giants at Cincinnati. We've gone for Giants across the board. Look, Cincinnati are missing their starting quarterback. There wasn't a ton else there. Um, Giants have been looking a little bit friskier of late, and like it doesn't take much to be frisky uh, beyond that. So yeah, we're just going to go for the Giants in that one. Fitz, Carolina, Minnesota. Uh, yeah. I've gone for Carolina, and so Sean, you're going for Minnesota. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to watch this game. Yeah, so you you two go for Carolina, I go for Minnesota. Like it's not a very fun game. Look, we know what Minnesota need to do. They need to run the ball, rely on their play action. Carolina will probably have Teddy back. They'll be their usual solid spread offense uh, selves. But yeah, I think whoever wins this will probably come down to whose defense actually shows up on the day. But uh, either way, probably not gonna be the most interesting or relevant game. Yeah, not a uh, not not a big one there. Uh, it's just hard to gauge. Like, will Carolina make it past five hundred? Because like. I'm confused. Minnesota lost last week to what I thought was not going to be a 500 team, so I guess that means that's out the window as a metric? Question mark. Uh, Arizona at New England's next up. Uh, we've all gone for Arizona. Like, bar, barring this injury to Kyler Murray being substantial, it's hard to see New England turning it around to a team who can put up offense and at times defense the way Arizona have, right? Yeah, the, the Pats' defense has just gotten so bad in the past few weeks that uh, even at 80%, this Cardinals' offense should, should tear them up um, pretty handily. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really... the. It's Yeah, I don't even... I, I think we're back once again after two weeks of, of hope back to me being I don't think I'm going to watch this game because I don't know how bad it's going to get. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah depressing to be a Pats fan these days. Um, although I suppose I deserve it after. Years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, see, the thing is, like, they've got a they've got a puncher's chance. They're at home. Arizona are a bit banged up. Like, we'll see because Kyler Murray's not going to run. Then that takes out a lot of their game plan. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders at the Atlanta Falcons. We've gone for Vegas across the board. Uh, yeah, like shot Atlanta. They don't look to have a backbone again and Vegas seem to have some balls. Yeah, I, I think this is, for Vegas, this is going to be feel like they've finally ascended to the top of the hill. They've had a 10, 10-week 10 tough schedule and now they're on the downward slope. Now they can they can kind of uh, pick up, use the momentum to kind of pick up the wins and get their season going. Um, the Raiders, if they play even half as well as they played against the Chiefs, they will be comfortable enough this game. The Falcons have looked a little bit more frisky since um, since um, they got rid um, of Dan Quinn, but but even still, that they, their their offense got pretty smothered uh, last week. So the the kind of the blueprint of how to crush this team is is already out, um, and I, I would expect the Raiders um, to be to be comfortable enough. And that these are the kind of games that the Raiders they, you want to be making the playoffs, especially in an AFC in which it's potentially going to be eleven and five. You might need to make the playoffs. Um, then these are the kind of games uh, that you have to win, and I think they should do it. Yeah, you gotta start, you gotta start mopping these up. Uh, Sam, or sorry, Miami at the Jets. We've gone for Miami across the board. Look, even though there's questions about who's going to be starting a quarterback and whether they can keep it going or not, the Jets are not an NFL caliber team at the moment, and therefore Miami across the board for us. Uh, Sam Fran at the Rams. This is we've gone for the Rams because. 
well, uh, look like San Fran don't really have half their starters. I think some are returning back from injury at this point for them. But, um, like, they still look a little bit undermanned. And the Rams, while I'm not blown away by them, do tend to be able to be consistent in putting away some of the divisional people. Right, Fitz? Yeah, like, I think, you know, San Francisco have to be, you know, heavy underdogs here. But they do get Raheem Mostert back. I think Richard Sherman may be back for this game. So, like, look, we know with Shanahan that they can put together a good offensive uh, and defensive show if they're not completely depleted. I think Raheem Mostert, if he gets going, will be a huge boost for them. And then they can rely on the play-action uh, passes to uh, probably Ayuk. I think Debo's still a few weeks off at this point. Um, but, like, the Rams, like, the, the main way that they've been winning is through their defense it's been smothering uh, rush attacks in particular over recent weeks um so that's that, that if they can do that again it probably won't be close but look san francisco are probably the one team outside the playoff bubble right now who at least have some semblance of having a chance uh, in my opinion of breaking through again but it's gonna be a tough ask against the rams but uh you know with these nfc west games you, you can never dismiss uh, either side completely well, uh, next up, Taysom Hill goes up to the hills. New Orleans at Denver. Uh, we've gone for New Orleans across the board in this one. Um, like, yeah, like Drew Locke and them looked all right last week, but they didn't look like they were ever getting past 18 to 20 points. And I can't see the Saints defense letting them score that much, nor can I see their offense not putting up that much, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, the New Orleans defense has been performing really well in recent weeks, and I think that will be a major contributing factor. I think, yeah, I just think there's so much more talent on this um, on this Saints team that it's just hard to see a Denver team get to... Like, if Denver are going to do it, they'll have to do what they did against Miami this week, and I think, you know, Taysom Hill has shown more than Tua, mm. uh, even though they may have comparable passing uh, numbers uh, <laughs> in, ter- in terms of how many times they've actually passed the ball, but, uh, like, look, I think New Orleans, it's hard to pick against them these days, and Denver... If they surprise us, fair play, but I think you have to favor New Orleans in this game. No, of course. Uh, next up is my pick of the week, Kansas City at Tampa Bay. We've gone for KC across the board. Should make for a good matchup. Tampa Bay's had a good defense. Their offense, as we discussed earlier, can come in ebbs and flows. So if we happen to get them on a high point, then that'll be pretty good. Um, they've got skilled position players that'll match up well. Kansas City's defense has not been playing incredibly well. But this is the type of game that you want to see what Casey's defense can do. They've got the pieces to disrupt Tom because they've got Chris Jones who will go up the middle. They've got a couple of big space eaters that can cause hassle there. Like this is the type of defense that exactly that should be able to do exactly what will disrupt Tampa Bay. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see if it works because their wide receivers will definitely outman our 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 cornerbacks uh, at the moment. So we're going to have to get disruption for that to work. That said, I think i'm fairly happy with this one although we are on the road so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes for us but i uh yeah like kansas city across the board uh i'd be surprised if we didn't take it but you know it, 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 if tampa bay have a have, have an up day they definitely have the capability of doing it uh yeah, i expect this to ahead. be a pretty high scoring game given the 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 books their defensive strengths are against the run where they can't really they don't defend all that well against the pass. The the KC offense is coming together nicely now, um, uh, and so I think. And given as you talked about the other side, where the the KC defense could could struggle against certain aspects of this Buccaneers um, offense, I think we could get one of those kind of 40-39 types of games if everything goes well. Mm. Be exciting times. Uh, Chicago Green Bay. We've all gone for Green Bay. Oh, we're we're all off the off the the the, the Bears yeah. wagon then, are we? 
It's over. It's over, Bears. It's over. <laughs> but like, yeah. like, like, are they the going Bears, back to Mitch Trubisky or not? We don't know at the moment. But like, look, like the Bears. This is Sunday night football. It's in prime time. They are five and five. You know, they still are in the playoff hunt. But yeah, this is a huge game for them. If they lose this, you can probably dismiss them completely. I've already done it personally, but I think uh, even objectively, you'll, they'll be in a bit deep hole there, considering where the NFC is in terms of playoff teams. Um, and for Green Bay, it's a chance for them to show that they can take care of a divisional rival and do it comprehensively. We, we've talked about their soft underbelly. We know Chicago has a good defense. So I think it, what the most important thing here is that the Green Bay defense can show it can take care of a bad offense and you know basically allow Rodgers to do enough with his explosive plays, the Devontae Adams and perhaps MVS, um, that it never becomes too close of a game. So I think we expect Green Bay to dominate this game, but uh, you know Chicago with that defense, you can't dismiss them completely. And uh, yeah, it's an important game to kind of see where these two teams should be stacked in terms of our uh, uh, after-season rankings. Mm. And uh, finally, Seattle at Philly. Um, yeah, look, we've all gone for Seattle in this one. Philly... Well, they're not out of their division yet. Like They just haven't been able to get anything going. And I think we're at the point where they need to start genuinely questioning. I know they invested a lot in Wentz, but for the sake of the season, they need to be looking at why don't they try out that second-round quarterback that they drafted and just see if they can get something going. I believe the head coach came out and said, oh, that shows that we're giving up in the season. I would say the exact opposite, that not trying to find a way to win now when you're still live in your division is giving up on the season. Like Carson Wentz has been quietly and less quietly last couple of weeks, one of the worst, if not the worst quarterback outside of Jacksonville. So maybe just try something different. Yeah, I think for Seattle, the big thing here is can they build on the improvements that we've seen in their defense, except for that Buffalo game? Can they keep it to like around less than or around 300 yards, like a standard amount of offense to give away? And if they can do that, then it's hard not to see uh, the Seattle offense putting up enough points that they can uh, end up having a pretty big score here. But like, look, on form, you definitely have to pick Seattle, but we know Seattle in prime time is is keen to obviously make every game as exciting as possible. So I wouldn't dismiss this as a, a snoozer completely just yet. Well, that'll wrap up all the games. I suppose any crack or any plans for the weekend with yourselves, lads? Not not too much now. Not an awful lot um, going on. I mean, the... Freedom from uh, the Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, enjoying the, the end of level five, I suppose. Um, getting ready for... The madness of the next few weeks to come. It's gonna be like it's like the Christmas season, but compressed into into like two or three weeks. It's gonna be madness, I would say. What about yeah. yourself? Well, like uh, personally, uh, just gonna keep it fairly quiet. Uh, and yeah, there's not there's not too much happening in the sporting world beyond beyond the NFL this week. It's just kind of a standard week. So uh, yeah, keeping it quiet, staying socially distanced, and hopefully we can see those numbers come down to. Uh, as best of value as they can before uh, everyone decides to get another haircut again or whatever. Yeah, well, that's all kicking off on Tuesday. Ireland is, uh, in theory, moving out of its full-on lockdown into a much softened one, so we'll see what that looks like and uh, what that probably means for us all beyond that. But, uh, yeah, I suppose for now, that'll do us. As always, you can drop us questions online on Facebook and Twitter and all those kind of places. But for now, it's uh, bye from myself, bye from Fitz. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye. This has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening and we'll chat to you next week.